the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five more listener stories. Beautiful. Thanks. I didn't put much effort into uh, writing a new Christmas carol for today, did no, I? No, I mean, it was exactly the same as yesterday's one, but it, it worked. It did it. work. I yeah. was actually, I was proud of it. I'm happy with it. Um, I'll think of a better one for tomorrow, even though yesterday I said I would not do that every day. I might end up doing that every day and I, th- I apologise in advance. I think you're going to. We would like to say a massive happy birthday today before we start. And that is happy ninth birthday to the lovely Nate Hall. The fact that you are nine years old and listening to our voices makes me very warm inside. And I hope that you have a lovely holiday season. Happy birthday to you. Also, I kind of wanted to be called Nate. Nate is a cool name. Nate is a very cool name. It's a very cool guy name, I think. Mm. Mm. And our first story today comes from... John, I attend a Christian university in Marion, Indiana. I live on the third floor, room 326. My roommate is able to see spirits when they present themselves. He has also had a history of demonic attacks. Personally, I've never had any paranormal thing happen to me in my entire life. But all that has changed. One night, my roommate and a friend and I began to dig into the word of God for a good length of time. We reached the end and prayed for each other and my friend left. My roommate and I were alone in the room. We were both standing there facing each other when I saw his face change like something had just happened. I then felt my stomach drop and my breath be taken away. Did you just feel that? He had, and he said that he could see the spirit behind me. He said that it didn't appear to be anything evil, rather it was just sad and lost. The spirit reached up his hand and set it on my shoulder. I instantly felt overcome by sadness and burst into tears. We didn't know what to do in this instance, so we prayed. We prayed that the lost spirit find its way. And after praying, the presence of the spirit was no longer. The feeling of sadness that I had felt stuck with me for a couple of days. Never in my life had I felt so much sadness. We have had no more encounters with this spirit since. And the experience made me realise how real the invisible world is. I don't have any physical evidence of this happening, but I still think that it's worth sharing. I, you, you were touched by something. That's pretty good. In terms of evidence, I think feeling something touchy that's not there is quite creepy. It's quite evidential. And the, 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 the emotional feeling of that intense sadness all of a sudden... Ooh, I can't imagine what that... Well, actually, I kind of can because I am a very emotional person just <laughs> without any spirit intervention. I cry an awful lot. Probably a couple of times a day, I would say. And uh, so I get that f- part of it. But knowing that it was a ghost that was making me cry a couple of times a day, I'd be very annoyed with. Do you think that it was the spirit that he saw in his roommate's face when it changed? But I did. when I read that first, I thought I was reminded of... The story from um, The Boy in the Attic back in like episode five, I think, where the guy's doing a Ouija board with the with the future murderer and he sees his face change. But actually, I think in this instance, he sees his face changes in his expression change, ah, okay, that meaning that he's just seen something. Oh, I thought it was yeah. like a proper full on face change. Like a like a cinem- cin- cinematic kind of face mm. change. But no, it wasn't. I think he just had a reaction to something. Do you think that must be able to see spirits would be featured on roommate wanted ads? Um, I personally wouldn't put that on a roommate wanted ad. 
personally. I mean, each to their own. Yeah. You know, I'd imagine there's some people who do roommate ads and are really specific, like must have an interest in the paranormal. Yeah. But very even more specific must-see ghosts. Yeah, probably. I'm sure we could find one somewhere. What's I mean, that thing they use in America? Craig, Craigslist? Yeah. But I think they call it Craigslist, don't they? Yeah. Whereas we call it Craigslist. Yeah, that's because that's how they pronounce Craig. Yeah, no, that always <laughs> blows my mind. Blows my mind. And our second story today comes from Abby. My first story is a dream encounter with my dad. I'll start out by saying that my dad and I used to be very close, spending tons of time together listening to classic rock and fishing every weekend from April to November, and sometimes even midwinter. Snow and cold be damned. This was all at our family cottage in Ontario. We had a huge falling out right around the time of my high school graduation due to his mental illness and struggle with alcoholism. We were never really able to repair our relationship, so it was quite tumultuous throughout my 20s, including my wedding and the birth of my two sons. I'll spare you the details, but mental illness can be a royal bitch. My dad passed away in his sleep in 2013. This was shortly before my 26th birthday, so the last eight years of his life, our relationship, were very rocky and an emotional heartache for all included. I struggled with his passing, wishing we had been able to mend things and that he would have sought treatment for his issues. A few months after he passed, I had the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. He came to me outside my home, one that he had never been to inside or out, as he had never been invited. He knocked on the French doors of our back porch and waited for me to answer. I went outside to see him, ecstatic that he was alive again. He told me repeatedly how much he loved me and how sorry he was for the way he had treated me in the past. He gave me a kiss and the biggest hug and that's when I woke up. I could still feel his hug when I woke. I could tell that he was happy and healthy, not in a struggle with his disease or addiction anymore and just in a better place. As a side note to this story, my eldest son has only met him once in his life, as a newborn baby, and my youngest son has never met him. My youngest swears that he has met him and occasionally he will tell me that Papa Jay told him X, Y or Z and I do wonder if he has visited him in his dreams too. I know how kids can be more receptive than adults. There are also instances when I am dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety and a most definitely not popular favourite song of his will pop up on the radio at just the right moment where it is just too perfect to be a coincidence. And it seems to be his way of saying, calm down, we've got this. I'm here for you. Everything will be all right. My second story has to do with my grandpa. I've always been close to my grandpa my entire life. You couldn't ask for a more loving and caring person to be in your life. When my relationship with my dad fell apart, my grandpa was there to pick up the pieces and he basically became my dad. He took me to doctor's appointments. He walked me down the aisle when I got married. He was there for the birth of my sons even spending days and sometimes weeks at my home when we needed last-minute childcare. My grandpa had a rough go of the last five years of his life. He was placed in a hospice and passed away shortly before Christmas of 2019, the day before my son's birthday and just days before my own birthday and Christmas. To say that our birthday and holiday celebrations were rough to deal with that year would be an understatement. I spent every moment possible in my pyjamas, watching TV, napping in bed, depressed and crying. Thank God for my amazing husband, I wouldn't have been able to get through this without him. 
We had his funeral after the holidays were over, and I took one more day off on the kids' first day back to school from their Christmas break, just to have some time to myself and clear my head before I went back to work. I took my boys to school, and when I got home, I laid back in bed, snuggling with the family dog. The house was silent, minus the hum of the fan overhead. All of a sudden, I heard this huge thump in the kitchen. It scared me because I was home alone with just the dog, and she was laying in bed next to me. I got up and went to see what caused the noise, and it took me a minute to find it. Laying against the wall, tucked behind a chair, was a large wooden sign that I had hanging on the wall. I've had this sign for five years, in two different homes, and it has never once fallen off the wall. I even hung it back up and tried to replicate how it could have fallen, and the only way to get it down is to lift it up from the bottom, as it has a large mounting hook on the back side of it. The details of this particular piece of decor? It says, You are my sunshine which was my grandpa's favourite song. It was the only song that would calm his confusion at the end of his life, and the nurses played it over and over when his dementia would take over, and they had a hard time calming him. As I said before, I've had this sign for five years and it has never fallen off the wall, even with my crazy kids throwing balls and having Nerf gun wars in the house. I knew it was a sign for my grandpa. It was his way of telling me to get my head out of my ass and stop crying over him. He always told us not to cry over him because he was going home. He'd say, have a party for me. Don't cry for me because I'm definitely not going to be crying. It's just like him too, physically making him get my ass out of bed, even in the afterlife. Sweet story. Really sweet story. I like the idea that unfinished business can be resolved on the dream plane. Because I think that's what it is, isn't it, really? That's her dad's come in to say the things that he couldn't say or didn't say when he was alive didn't have the time to say when he was alive and her being able to hear it and wanting to hear it as well because I feel like there was that element of regret that it wasn't said when he was alive and it I, I feel like that kind of energy could could open a plane up do you know what I mean for that to happen yeah and I don't think we can underestimate the power of human will and the need for resolution at the end of your life because we often hear about hospice nurses and carers who will say that people will hold on at the end of life until a certain visitor arrives, even if they're, you know, n- not conscious at the time, yeah. that they know that they're waiting for this visitor to arrive or they need to make a resolution with somebody. So I think we just can't, we just can't underestimate what what the, the soul, I don't know, would you call it the soul or the yeah. mind can do when there is an un, there is an unfinished business like a resolution particularly with somebody with such a strong family bond and somebody who that dad is going to feel like I've let my child down because of my addictions and that must be and and I guess to die in that knowledge must be horrific yeah absolutely and I feel like the dream the dream world is the is the place for that to happen and our third story today comes from Roxanne. This first one's a short one. When we first moved into the house we're currently living in, I used to sleep with my bedroom door open. One night, as I struggled to sleep, I heard what sounded like a dining chair being pushed back from the table, and then the little paths of bare feet, walking from the lino tiling to the carpet down the hall leading to my room. 
I laid there waiting to see if someone would appear at my open door, but the footsteps just stopped outside my room, and no one ever came in. The next one is about children. I'm deeply disturbed by the theory that children and animals can see spirits, and when my niece was born, I prayed that she wouldn't fulfil that creepy child stereotype. When she was a few months old, my mom's rich friend invited us over to her house so that they could visit. In the practice of Feng Shui, it is said that doors should not be perfectly aligned, or as my mom explained it, you should not be able to see perfectly through the back door from the front door and vice versa, as it opens a portal for bad energy and spirits. We arrived late in the evening, and upon walking through the rich lady's house, my mom immediately sensed and made a comment about it, and her friend brushed it off. My niece, who had been sleeping in her carrier at the time, woke immediately and began to cry, but not like hunger or diaper crying. It sounded like the kind of terror screeching in movies. My mom and sister tried to calm her, and while they were doing this, I was exploring. I'll never forget walking through this house. There were so many rooms, sparsely decorated, and for such an airy place, it felt so oppressing. My mom wanted to leave after 10 minutes, and my niece wouldn't stop screaming until we were off the property. For the next seven days, I had dreams about that house where I was wandering lost in the dark, and I felt like I was being pursued. I still have that dream sometimes. Later on, my mom confided in us that she saw a shadow, or a reflection in the baby's eyes that didn't seem to belong to anyone standing in the room with them. A few years later, as my niece started learning to talk, she would go on to talk to something that we couldn't see. And at one time, my sister and I witnessed her yelling at the air, Go away! And don't touch me, no! And no one was in the room with her. I have a nephew now who is just under two years old and he's starting to wave at nothing and talk to things over my shoulder that no one can see. The last one affected everyone in my house. I'm an artist and in high school I made a self-portrait that my mom loved and wanted to keep. She hung it up on the wall in her bedroom and you can see it as soon as you turn into the doorway. Even though I made it, for whatever reason when I looked at it the eyes of the portrait made me feel unsettled, like it was watching me from behind my own face. There was a big vanity mirror next to it and if you looked at the reflection, I shit you not, it looked like the eyes moved to stare at you from that angle. I felt like I was being paranoid, but my brother also said that he witnessed these things too. A few years ago, my aunt died of a mysterious brain illness. She had been taken to see many doctors, but no one could seem to figure it out. During her long death, her husband had a Buddhist monk come to the house to bless her and their home, and the monk told them that there is an old man who had come to kill my aunt. Apparently he hated her and wanted her to die. We thought perhaps it was the bad juju of a man from her past, but the monk stated that this was not a human spirit and that he might try to come after others in our family. This scared my mom, so she asked the monk to come by our house for a blessing as well. The monk discovered that there were two spirits living among us. One was of a little girl who apparently liked to play with my niece. The other was of a young woman, my stepdad's daughter, who would have been my sister's age if she had lived. This one was more troublesome. She was jealous of the relationship between my sister and my stepdad and would often cause strife between them to prevent them from getting too close. The monk said that this young woman liked to perch herself behind my self-portrait 
and watch everyone coming in and out of the room. So it looks like I wasn't just being paranoid. My mum took down the self-portrait and stored it away. They tried to go into my room to bless it, but I was in the habit of locking my door when I wasn't home so they couldn't go inside. The last thing the monk said about the young woman was that she liked to follow the person who stayed up the latest and watch them when they finally slept. I suffer from insomnia and would often feel like I was being watched as I sat alone in my room in the dark. I can't handle the thought of holding a baby up and seeing a shadow in the reflection of their eyes. Why has that not been in a horror film oh, yet? That that's was so like, scary. That is glorious. And then you look over your shoulder and you're like, oh my God, nothing's there. Yeah. Oh, what no. did I just see in that baby's uh, eyes? I don't like it. I do not like that at all. I also would be so annoyed if I'd hired someone to come and bless my house. And they were like, oh yeah, there's an old man spirit trying to kill you all. Thanks, dude. <laughs> cheers for that. I'd be like, cheers. So do you want to, do you want to, <laughs> yeah, just let you all know. <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, a lot of these people, these like, um spiritual advisors i guess we'll call them because we have them from we've we've had stories of them from a variety of different faiths and backgrounds and beliefs and all that jazz i mean so often i guess because a part of their narrative in the world is to deal with these things every day so they probably don't even think twice about it and then suddenly you've got somebody going uh yeah there's an evil man come to kill your aunt yeah there's a woman actually behind that portrait she's looking out (laughs) from behind the eyes and to that monk it's all kind of running the mill but to that family it's oh my God, what are we going to do? This is so scary. See, now the other two ghosts, well, I've got an issue with the little girl ghost, but that's my own personal thing, not liking child ghosts. But those two ghosts in their house, I can kind of deal with because one of them is the spirit of the stepdad's daughter, right? So, And you can understand the jealousy and yeah, wanting and to be a bit mis- mischievous. Like yeah, bit naughty hiding in a portrait and freaking everybody out. That's, that's, but you know. Kind of like the energy though, I'm yeah, here for it. Yeah, it's the kind of thing I try to do and then just like knock the portrait down or something. But that old man ghost I can't deal with. And I also found it fascinating. I did not know that about Feng Shui and the doors being aligned. I didn't know that either. I mean, I like I know very little about it. And Dan has just looked around and signalled with his eyes the fact that our front door aligns perfectly with the back door of our house. You yep. can see straight through our house. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for giving us that knowledge. I'm glad we're moving. <laughs> And our fourth story today comes from Abigail. I had already gone through an episode of my child having an imaginary friend, who I don't think was something very nice. She almost seemed kind of scared of it. I would catch her talking to it at the park by our house and in our room. Every time I asked her who she was talking to, she would say no one. Then one day my mom called me to tell me that the friend had followed her to their house. She had been giving her a bath. When my daughter got out, she told my mom that she wanted to get dressed in the other room. My mom asked her why, and she said, Because she's watching me. My mom asked her who, and she pointed to the corner of the bedroom and said, She is. There was obviously nobody there. Whatever it was, eventually it went away. I think I went through the house praying and telling it to get out of my house in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm a scary movie lover, so that doesn't help. My imagination ran wild with possibilities of what that thing could be. I even talked to our pastor, who was no help, because he said he didn't believe in ghosts, and that people didn't get left behind. Only demons did. But that made what happened next even more scary to me. 
This was actually a couple of years later, but I've never forgotten the imaginary friend or what my pastor said. My daughter was three or four. One night we were in bed and it was pitch black. We were trying to get to sleep. And then all of a sudden she tells me that there is a girl trying to climb into the bed. My blood ran cold as my daughter crawled on me since I was the one next to the edge and started swatting and kicking and telling something I couldn't see to get down. I was so freaked out. She was yelling at it and still swatting, saying, Get down. Mom, there's a girl trying to get into the bed. She stopped for a minute and then went back to telling her to get down and telling me she was still trying to get into the bed. I think I got my phone flashlight or jumped up and turned the light on. I just know I was scared to death and I wouldn't let her talk about it after that. I felt like it would give it power if we acknowledged it anymore. For two weeks after that I laid in bed and couldn't sleep, wondering if that stupid thing was in the room. Fast forward a year or two later and we had went to bed and when she woke up the next morning she informed me that she woke up during the night to see a little boy in pyjamas walk to the end of our bed and stare at us and then he walked into the bathroom that is connected to my bedroom. Then he supposedly walked back in the room and had yellow glowing eyes and came to the end of the bed again and stared. So she hurried and got under the covers hoping it would go away. I don't know if her mind and shadows are playing tricks on her. She is nine now and I'm hoping we have no more incidents. She begs me to watch scary movies but I try to find really corny ones or something that's not very scary because I don't want anything else to show up in our room at night. We have been blessed to have a lot of new babies in our extended family over the past few months and you know I was getting to the point where I was like oh maybe one day I would like kids. Uh, This has has reiterated the point that I'm not having them. No. Although I have to say this girl is incredibly brave. Very brave. Like this little girl getting off swinging kicks at this ghost trying to climb on the bed. This kid is, she is my kind of kid. And, you know, I feel like we, we talk about this idea that, you know, kids are inventive and they create things and they're imaginative, which may be the same thing. Um, <laughs> but they tend to invent things that either A, get them out of trouble or B, that they want to play with. To invent something that this is that is something she really doesn't like just seems a bit counterintuitive, really. Kids' ideas of things that's scary are often really ridiculous, especially Mm. when they're at that age. So that kid is not going to be, there's a little girl trying to climb on the bed. Because really, for that little kid, that's not a particularly scary thing. They think of monsters, like actual scary things, not just there's a little girl trying to climb on the bed and I'm going to swing a kick at her, (laughs) drop kick her out of the bed, (laughs) which I am here for. Yeah, absolutely. She's proper brave fighting off. But also, second story on the trot, spiritual advisor. Oh no, it's not ghosts, it's demons. Only demons do that. Thank you. That is so helpful. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. How can you, how can you, even if that is what you believe as a spiritual advisor, how, why would you, don't worry, it's not ghosts. It's definitely a demon, if it's anything. Oh, dear Lord, why would you say that to another human being who's clearly struggling with something, Cle- even if that's what you believe? Clearly gone to the Evangelical College of Zach Bagans. Clearly. Everything is a demon. I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm baffled by that and holding the daughter up as a hero, basically. 100%. Yeah. And our final story today comes from Chris. In 2018, I began working at an engineering firm on the site of a former state mental hospital in Illinois, one which, for the 1930s when it opened, was an advanced facility with 24-7 medical staff and patient housing, plus its own private farm, utilities, gym, school, 
arts centre and an underground tunnel network. More on this later. By most accounts, the hospital staff were dedicated to helping patients, who were in turn mostly grateful to be somewhere other than homeless or with family who had no clue how to handle them. Yet as progressive as the hospital considered itself, due to then limited grasp of psychiatry, it often left more serious patients in secure wards where some were relegated to treatments like electric shock therapy or invasive surgery. In addition, during the 1950s, public school groups, including one which my mother was in, were allowed to tour the hospital grounds as an unspoken warning that if the students didn't behave properly, e.g. avoid drugs, they'd risk winding up in a mental unit. Ignorant and tragic, I know, but that was the time period. Fast forward to the 80s, after the Reagan administration's policy of cutting federal funds to state mental hospitals, which turned countless patients who had nowhere else to go into the streets. The hospital was closed in 1985, and the campus left to rot and vandalism, including the tunnels used to walk between buildings without going outside in poor weather. Now sealed off, I've not seen these tunnels, but they are reportedly in bad shape, with leaky ceilings and strewn with old bed frames and other hospital-era junk. In the late 90s, the state began selling parcels of the old hospital campus for renovation, including the former admin building, which are now offices for a local bank. Plus, they sold land for new apartments. And the office building that I work in once housed a library, auditorium and centre for music therapy. When I began working there, I was aware of the ground's creepy reputation. As old mental hospitals are hotbeds for ghost stories, but choked it up to local folktales until one evening in October 2018. After my co-workers had left, I was working in my office during a time when autumn days grew short. Thus it was around 4.45pm and it was mostly dark. However, as I was about to finish work, I heard the sound of a man singing, or rather trying to sing and not doing so well at it, as if the person was limited by poor motor skills that kept him from forming a proper tune. Not only was this sound in the same room, it was from behind me and above where nothing except a shallow drop ceiling existed. The singing lasted for eight to ten seconds and then ceased. I could not identify the melody. Immediately I looked through the exterior windows to see if anyone was outside, perhaps messing around. No one was there. I then searched the building twice to see if anyone else was in their offices. Again, nothing. The employee parking lot was also vacant. I was completely alone. Having grown up in a haunted house in suburban Chicago, I'd faced supernatural incidents before and learned to shrug them off. But there was something about that singing that was so eerie. Finally, upon recalling the site had once been used by the old hospital for music therapy... It all clicked, and it rattled the hell out of me. I called my wife and shared the incident with her. She recommended that I leave, and I was in no mood to argue. Since the above incident, I have had no further experiences in the building. However, last week while talking with co-workers over lunch, the topic of campus's old ghost stories resurfaced and I shared my history. Wide-eyed they began sharing their own experiences which, like me, they had previously kept quiet. Like phantom knocking and a sense of being watched around corners. And I see no reason to doubt them.
Me either. Me either. As someone who's worked in an asylum, absolutely yeah. no reason to doubt that no. story. No. Or no. any of those stories. No. And I, I can't bear to think about being alone in a dark room on my own and hearing whistling from somewhere where whistling can't come from. Or singing. All of... I think singing is singing, actually Sorry, worse. singing is what, what he said, actually. Sorry, that's me. But if you say, say if it was whistling, like I know that you were just using the wrong term. Yeah. But if it was whistling, you could in your brain, you could be like, okay, it's obviously the wind, and I'm like, my brain is forming a tune out of it. You know what? We'll we'll be fine. Like or I'll get over it. It's your husband breathing. Or it's my husband breathing. <laughs> right. Dan's laughing because I woke up the other night and I was like, what the fuck is that whistling? Genuinely freaking out in my bedroom, going, I can hear whistling, and it was a very clear whistle. And I was like, is it somebody outside? No, it's like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black. I looked around the room, like peeping out from under my covers. And I was like, okay, there's no man in a hat standing at the end of the bed. Then I realized it was Dan. It was Dan breathing through his nose, which was whistling because he had a bit of a blocked nose. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> he was me freaking out. But if I heard, if you heard whistling, you'd try and yeah. rationalize it, right? Singing is a lot more difficult no, singing is very, to try and rationalize. It's very verbalized, isn't it? Like literally, but also like... And it's pointed. Can't, yeah. Oh, no, I would. I would. No. no, I couldn't handle it. I would be so freaked out. I wouldn't be ringing anybody to no. get, you know, and, and fair play to your wife for being like, get the fuck out of there because I would be I would just have to fall I'd have gone I can't I even talk I would be taking the top off of my emergency petrol that I keep in my pocket for just these occasions <laughs> your paranormal petrol supply <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's episode we will be back tomorrow with day three of 12 days of Christmas which I still haven't figured out a spooky name for I never will I'm going to stick with 12 days of Christmas and you're just going to have to deal with it Dan I'm, I'm, I'm done with that that's fine you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com you can send your own spooky stories to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com you can find us on Patreon where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content and on that note we shall see you tomorrow happy Christmas happy Christmas